0: Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. My name is Abby and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the ZipRecruiter Incorporated first quarter 2023 earnings conference call. Today's conference is being recorded and all lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during that time, simply press the star key followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, press star one once again. Thank you, and I will now turn the conference over to Drew Haroldson, Investor Relations. You may begin.
1: Thank you, operator, and good afternoon. Thank you for joining us in our earnings conference call, during which we will discuss ZipRecruiter's performance for the quarter ended March 31st, 2023, and guidance for the second quarter and full year 2023. Joining me on the call today are Ian Siegel, co-founder and CEO, David Travers, president, and Tim Yarbrough, CFO. Before we begin, please be reminded that forward-looking statements made today are subject to risks and uncertainties related to future events and or the future financial performance of ZipRecruiter. Actual results could differ materially from those anticipated in these forward-looking statements. A discussion of some of the risk factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from any forward-looking statements can be found in ZipRecruiter's quarterly report on Form 10Q for the quarter ended March 31st, 2023, which will be available on our investor website and the SEC's website. The forward-looking statements in this conference call are based on the current expectations as of today, and ZipRecruiter assumes no obligation to update or revise them, whether as a result of new developments or otherwise. In addition, during today's call, we will discuss non-GAAP financial measures. These non-GAAP financial measures should be considered in addition to not a substitute for or in isolation from gap results. Reconciliations of the non-gap metrics to the nearest gap metrics are included in ZipRecruiter shareholder letter and in our Form 10Q. And now I will turn the call over to Ian.
2: Thank you, Drew. Good afternoon to everyone joining us today. Q-run revenue of $183.7 million was down 19% year over year, but above the high end of the range of our guidance. Q123 adjusted EBITDA of 35.3 million and adjusted EBITDA margin of 19% exceeded the high point of our guidance. This strong profitability in the face of both deteriorating macro conditions and persistent interest rate increases is a testament to the flexibility of our business model and our ability to rapidly adjust expenses. In our last call, we highlighted the atypically slow start to the year, which informed our guidance for the rest of the year. January normally marks the beginning of the hiring season as employers kick off annual hiring plans and operate with refreshed recruiting budgets. Q1 23 showed a sharp deviation from what those seasonal trends would have predicted. The softening observed at the outset of Q1 has only accelerated and we see demand for recruiting services continue to decline. This slowdown has been broad based across both SMBs and enterprise as well as across the majority of industries. In conversations with our customers, we see employers paring back their hiring in response to the uncertain economic backdrop we now face. Because of these trends, which are unlike anything we've seen in our 13 years of doing business, we are not providing full year revenue guidance. However, While there is a wide range of possible top line outcomes, we remain focused on delivering against our guidance of $185 million of adjusted EBITDA at the midpoint. One of our key strategic advantages of ZipRecruiter is our ability to rapidly respond to changing macro conditions. We're doing what we've always done in a softening labor market, decreasing expenses to increase profitability. In spite of this deceleration, there are several long-term investments which are now bearing fruit. Organic job seeker traffic was up 40% in Q1. 56% of these new job seekers received an invitation to apply for a job directly from an employer within seven days of joining our marketplace. It's our profitable, flexible operating model, along with our hard-earned 80% aided brand awareness on both sides of our marketplace that allow us to adapt to this cooling market, all while continuing to invest in improving our industry-leading matching technology and top-rated user experiences. Now I'll turn it over to Dave to talk through some of our progress against the three pillars of our Marketplace strategy.
3: Thank you, Ian.
2: There is no doubt that headwinds in the macroeconomic
3: environment are impacting our customers' hiring plans. Regardless of the shape or duration of this current labor market cycle, we firmly believe that ZipRecruiter will play an increasingly large role in bringing job seekers and employers together. To that end, I'm excited to share with you some of the progress we've made to drive a generational shift in how technology enables job seekers and employers to come together using our industry-leading matching technology. We will start with our first strategic pillar, which is increasing the number of employers and the revenue per paid employer in our marketplace. Even though current macroeconomic headwinds have temporarily muted our progress in moving these KPIs sequentially, we're confident that our investments in building great products for employers will bear fruit in the long-term. Our enterprise customers remain a top priority, driving us to focus on eliminating friction in the hiring process for these larger customers. In Q1 23, we introduced a new tool which simplifies the process of creating and activating new campaigns for enterprise customers. We estimate that campaign creation tasks previously requiring hours now take minutes. The new tool resulted in much faster creation of campaigns, simultaneously improving the customer experience and creating a faster time to revenue for ZipRecruiter. In addition to reducing friction in the hiring process, We also increase the certainty that enterprise employers will be able to spend their budgets. Our automated campaign optimization solution achieves campaign targets 34% more often than the previous manual processes. Finally, employers often struggle with the laborious process of writing job descriptions. In Q1 23, we leverage generative AI to launch over a thousand new searchable job template pages. Not only does this even further reduce friction in the hiring process for employers, but job seekers also love these new pages. Now I'll move to our second pillar, increasing the number of job seekers in our marketplace. It's no surprise that more job seekers are looking for work. In fact, we saw a 40% increase in organic visits from job seekers in Q1. This current backdrop provides an opportunity for ZipRecruiter to be there for job seekers in their time of need. And makes the work we're doing to build the world's most innovative job seeking tools all the more important. We've been providing regular updates about improvements we make to Phil, our AI personal recruiter for job seekers. We're excited about Phil because he puts a human face on navigating the job search process, engages with job seekers during their onboarding, and uses their real time feedback to curate the job search experience we're continually expanding Phil's reach across our job seeker products. While Phil's onboarding flow was previously launched to our mobile, web, and desktop users, as of Q1 23, Phil is now also featured in both of our number one rated native apps. ZipRecruiter addresses the information asymmetry inherent in the hiring process by equipping job seekers with useful information and insights to help them on their journey. In Q1 23, we launched a new career advice hub containing hundreds of helpful articles with more on the way. These articles help job seekers understand what employers are looking for and how to make their applications stand out. Job seekers love the new content, which is a contributor to the large increase in job seeker traffic in Q1. Salary remains one of the most important criteria for job seekers when looking for a job. In Q1 23, we rolled out estimated pay ranges for when we have high confidence in the prediction and the employer doesn't provide the info. Over 60% of jobs in our marketplace now show pay range, either provided directly by the employer or via the new ZipRecruiter estimate. These listings get more impressions, clicks, and applies than those without any form of pay data. I'll conclude with our progress around our third pillar, making our matching technology smarter over time. Our algorithms get smarter as job seekers interact with Phil and different jobs in our marketplace. In Q1-23, we retrained our matching models for job seekers who are earlier in their journey and have less activity in our marketplace. This increased the percentage of new job seekers getting an invite to apply within their first seven days from 18% to 56%. Over 68% of these new job seekers received an email within one day. Now, I'll turn it over to Tim to talk through the first quarter results and our guidance. Tim?
4: Thank you, Dave, and good afternoon, everyone. Our first quarter revenue of $183.7 million exceeded the high end of the guidance we provided in February. This represents a 19% decline year-over-year year and is primarily reflective of continued and accelerating softening in the hiring market. Additionally, we faced particularly challenging comparisons against Q1-22, when we grew 81% year over year. Quarterly paid employers were 106,000, representing a 29% decrease versus Q1 22, and a 2% decrease versus Q4 22. This is primarily reflective of weakness among small and medium sized businesses, which make up the vast majority of our paid employers. Revenue per paid employer was $1,734, an increase of 15% year over year, but a sequential decrease of 11%. In prior years, enterprise-driven strength in Q4 has resulted in lower sequential growth in Q1. In Q1 23, this trend was exacerbated by reduced hiring demand from both enterprises and SMBs. However, we remain confident that the growth trends we've seen in all of our cohorts over the years will continue in the long-term. Gap net income was $5 million in the first quarter of 2023 compared to $8.4 million in Q1 of 2022. Q1-23 adjusted EBITDA was $35.3 million, equating to a margin of 19%, compared to $37.2 million, a margin of 16% in Q1-22. The adjusted EBITDA margin expansion year-over-year primarily reflects lower sales and marketing expenses, which we reduced in response to the changing macroeconomic landscape and partially offset by increases in research and development expenses. Cash, cash equivalents, and marketable securities was $519.1 million as of March 31, 2023, compared to $570.4 million as of December 31, 2022. The decrease quarter-per-quarter was primarily due to $60.2 million of share repurchases. Additionally, we announced that our board of directors has authorized a $100 million increase to the company's share repurchase program. This is in addition to the previous authorizations of $450 million in total. We note that this authorization is not a commitment. We will remain diligent allocators of capital as we continue generating free cash flow while also recognizing the uncertain macroeconomic environment. Moving on to guidance, the atypical softness we noted during our last call has increased in recent weeks. While Q123 revenue was down 19% year-over-year, revenue in April was down 27% year-over-year. This is reflective of a contraction in demand with both SMBs and enterprises continuing to reduce the number of jobs they post, and the amount they spend for job advertising. It's these trends which inform our guidance. Considerable macroeconomic uncertainty remains and changes, both positive and negative, can continue to have an impact on our 2023 revenue. Our Q2 23 revenue guidance of $170 million at the midpoint represents a 29% decline year over year. Given the increasingly uncertain macroeconomic environment, we are not providing annual revenue guidance. We will continue to take advantage of opportunities to win the business of new employers and deepen our relationships with existing employers, but recognize that further macroeconomic fluctuations that are impacting our customers will have a direct impact on our top-line performance. Our adjusted EBITDA guidance of $38 million at the midpoint, or 22% adjusted EBITDA margin for the quarter, reflects our continued fully funded investments into new solutions for the labor market, while simultaneously moderating our sales and marketing investments during slowdown. Finally, we reiterate our ability in the majority of scenarios we can reasonably foresee to generate 2023 adjusted EBITDA between $178 million and $192 million. While there are a wide range of top-line possibilities, the flexibility of our business model allows for many paths to this adjusted EBITDA range. As always, we will respond to our environment quickly, which means conserving capital and an increased focus on profitability during times of decreased demand from employers. This further demonstrates the flexibility of our business model and our continued commitment to delivering value to shareholders over the long-term across a broad range of economic environments. With that, we can now open the line for questions. Operator?
0: Thank you. As a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad, and we will pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. We will take our first question from Ralph Shacker with William Blair. Your line is open.
1: Uh, good afternoon. Thanks for taking the question. Just first question on, I, I guess, acceleration uh, uh, downwards for revenue. Talking about nine, being down 19% year over year for the quarter. I think April's down 27 and the guide for next quarter is down 29 Maybe just kind of speak to, was that acceleration, you know, more pronounced? And then, um, or is it, um, you know, continuing obviously through, uh q2 here just any color on that and then uh last just the confidence and the full year of the levers that you have to sort of maintain that uh that evita guidance range uh, that'd be helpful as well thank you all
2: right thanks for the question this is ian and uh i think you have accurately summarized what we shared today which is that there has been an acceleration of the deceleration in the demand for recruiting services we have clearly left behind what had historically been a standardized and highly predictable seasonal hiring pattern. And so, our ability to uh, predict with accuracy where the decline will stop is somewhat impaired by the fact that there is no historical precedent in our company history for what we're seeing right now. But- In spite of that, and thanks in large part to the nimbleness of our financial model, as well as um, our ongoing uh, focus on product improvements, we remain both confident that in the short term we can deliver on the EBITDA, which is why we have reasserted the range, and with specificity said that we still think we can hit the target we set for the year. And further, over the long term, thanks to those ongoing product improvements, We remain um, confident and optimistic about our ability to grow our market share. This is very clearly a macroeconomic phenomenon. This downturn is affecting a multitude of players in our industry. And just last week, we had an enterprise summit where I spoke to 30 of the largest hirers in America. These are companies that hire between thousands and tens of thousands of employers per year. Across the board, all of them have reduced their hiring plans in the face of the economic uncertainty their businesses face.
4: Yeah, and And, uh, I'll answer the the question on um, OPEX levers. So uh, we have several different levers that we can pull on the largest and most variable by far uh being the the sales and marketing uh line item so in Q1 we spent over 88 million dollars in sales and marketing a, a very large portion of that spend is uh highly variable and not committed into future periods um but that's not our only lever we also have already pulled back on additional hiring focusing just on the highest impact tech positions uh we've uh, taking a look at many of our more discretionary expenses like travel, entertainment, pro- professional services, et cetera. Um, so we're, we have many different levers that we can pull in order to um, achieve that 185 and adjust the EBITDA under a wide range of revenue scenarios.
3: This is Dave, Ralph. One other thing I would add is that that 40% growth in job seeker organic traffic is exactly what we would expect to see in a scenario like we're seeing right now. This is an opportunity for us over the long term to prove value to job seekers at a moment. They need us more than they've needed us for years. And uh we're meeting that challenge, and this will pay dividends for us for years to come. As, you know, job seekers uh will be able to experience that our product just continues to get better. And so those that haven't needed us for a couple of years are now going to experience, you know, what Phil can do for them, the power of our great matches, what it's like to be um, invited to apply to a job, you know, most of the time within one week. And so all those investments we've been making in both brand and product on that side of the marketplace is what's going to power us through when employers come back.
1: Okay. Thanks, everyone.
0: And we will take our next question from Mark Mahaney with Evercore. Your line is open.
1: Okay, thanks.
4: Two questions, please. You talked about seeing that uh, accelerated deceleration kind of equal across S&Bs and enterprises. Uh, Could you give us a little color on the verticals of extra weakness or uh, the verticals that are still showing some resilience like nursing, I assume? And then secondly, um, you know, we've kind of gone out and then we're coming back in in terms of work from home. Um, uh, Is that having any impact on your business as a whole? Uh, I thought that the uh, kind of increasing complexity of work from home may make some of the matching algorithms more valuable, um, but maybe they're less so now that we're going back to kind of more normal work environments, but maybe that's not that material. Just comment on that, please. Thanks. Well,
2: I'll take the second question first, which is on work from home. So, less than 10% of our listings advertise the opportunity to work remotely or in a hybrid format. Interestingly, those jobs uh, are are runaway winners in terms of the number of applicants that they receive. However, it is a minimis portion of the overall hiring market, so it doesn't have a major impact on our business. We have tuned our algorithms such that we are experts at delivering candidates from anywhere to those jobs. So uh, theoretically, as the market shifts, that will continue to be an advantage, but the market overall has not tipped that way um, in spite of still having more than 60% of job seekers looking for remote or fully, or some form of hybrid work as their first choice.
3: Uh, Yeah, thanks Mark, this is Dave. And then in terms of verticals, um, you know, as as you indicated, you know, healthcare is an example of an industry that continues um, to, to show less cyclicality and seems to be less impacted by the slowdown. Um, on the flip side, um, yeah, and, and, you know, for that matter, travel and leisure still seems to be holding up reasonably well. On, on the flip side, technology, as you might imagine, does seem to be uh, more impacted. Um that's that we don't particularly over index to any of these categories. you know we look more like the the economy as a whole the the one that sticks out is maybe a little surprising um based on recent headlines is that finance has not been particularly um uh impacted yet despite headlines about banks and other things um but but overall you know the 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 main those stick out a little bit, but the main trend is that it's fairly broad based across the economy both from a geographic and from an industry standpoint. And we see, you know, patterns here and there. But the the broad theme is that, you know, we talked to you starting about June last year um, about how we started to see slowdown among SMBs. And as you noted, you know, this quarter, whether that had to do with the evolution of the slowdown or annual budget cycles, you know, we saw enterprises also impacted by the slowdown now. And as we talk to customers, large and small, their businesses tend to, you know, remain pretty strong, but they feel cautious based on what they're seeing and hearing out there. So they're pulling back in the short term. Their long-term ambitions remain intact and will be a big part of those ambitions if they need to build their teams. But it's certainly impacting short-term hiring needs.
4: Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Ian.
0: I'll take our next question from Doug Amos with J.P. Morgan. Your line is open.
4: Hey, it's Wes on for Doug. Thanks for taking the questions. Um, I think just kind of with a lot of what's going on in the macro and broader layoffs, what you're seeing, job seeker tailwinds, but openings declining, just be good to get updated thoughts on on competition more broadly, you know, with the two larger players as, as well as some of the smaller ones and how things maybe have evolved. And, um, secondly, I think you know you guys have been getting nice traction on the enterprise side., um, you know I think that stepped back a little bit this quarter, at least in in terms of revenue share for that segment. Um, you know how are you thinking about the progress of that you know towards that fifty percent marker throughout this year, uh, kind of given the macro backdrop? Yeah, great, great question.
3: So one on the competition front, um, you know, as we've talked about before, we work with over a thousand different job sites, many of the big offline players or customers of ours. Um, what we're clearly seeing is economy wide, not just, um, not just ZipRecruiter specific. And so from a, from a customer, from a, excuse me, from a competitor standpoint, um, what we've seen is Like us, they're also pulling back to the extent they're investing in go-to-market, marketing investments and things like that. And we see them, some of them pulling back in terms of more aggressive pricing um, that they had been attempting to roll out earlier in the year. Um, Those have been the big things we've seen on the competitive front. We spend most of our time thinking about our customers rather than our competitors. And from a customer standpoint, what we're hearing is what I referred to earlier, which is in the short-term, cautiousness. In the long-term, big ambitions about where people want to go. And we feel really confident in the long-term health of the U.S. labor economy and and the role we'll play in driving that forward over the long-term. In terms of enterprise, um, great question. You're exactly right. You know, the, the, the big theme is we're seeing a pullback across the board in the short-term demand for hiring and job openings. Um, but but it's more broad-based than it was in terms of creeping into enterprise part of our business, not just SMBs. So last quarter, enterprise was, you know, that performance marketing component of our revenue that was uh, 23% of revenue last quarter came down to 22%, so it decreased by slightly more. But the much bigger trend was the across the board friend when we talk to enterprises, you know, they, they have to plan more. They have to budget further ahead. They have big infrastructure projects to, you know, help them with their hiring needs. When you need to hire thousands and thousands of people and, you know, they're looking for efficiencies. They're looking for ways to get more efficient in an environment like this, but nothing is foundationally changed about the fact they need a lot more people to um, a just replace churn that's normal within their workforce, and, B, to grow as they expand locations into new lines of business, et cetera, and we're going to be part of that And in every indication we have as we establish those relationships, like Ian and I, uh, Ian just referenced, you know, we spent time with 30 of our largest customers last week, and we heard that loud and clear from them and about their long-term alignment uh, with us and, uh, and long-term need for great talent. Um, so, that's what we see at Enterprise and, and, you know, we'll continue to focus on our customers and we feel confident that uh, the competition aspect of this will work itself out just fine when we're close to our customers.
1: Awesome. Thanks,
0: Sarah. As a reminder, this is Star 1 if you would like to ask a question. And we will take our next question from Justin Patterson with KeyBank. Your line is open.
2: Great, thank you very much. Uh,
1: Just thinking about uh, the puts and takes of the different drivers,
2: employers, and revenue per paid employer, uh, how should we think about just the ability to sustain the uh, revenue per paid employer growth as job postings uh, come in a bit more and we just don't have that same scarcity of labor as we had previously? Thank you.
1: Yeah, hi, Justin,
4: this is Tim. Uh, Yeah, so on the the two KPIs, um, Pay employers and revenue per paid employer. In Q1, um, as we've already noted, we saw both KPIs come in softer than what would typically be expected, um, but particularly on the revenue per paid employer side, and that in April uh, continued that trend as well. Um, the big drivers in Q1 were uh for paid employers primarily from SMBs because they make up the, the vast majority of their Paid employer uh, number, so decreased demand from them will disproportionately affect that KPI. Uh, whereas revenue per paid employer um, um, was affected by both SMBs and enterprise. SMBs uh, tend to reduce if they did not if they did not drop hiring altogether. They reduce the number of jobs that they have posted within the marketplace, which reduces revenue per employer. Uh, and then the, the broad base. Uh, pullback in enterprise hiring that Ian and Dave have already spoken about that will obviously uh, directly impact revenue per paid employer. Um, I think what, what we see with revenue per paid employer um, will uh, – will, it was muted in Q1. I think we have a lot of confidence that the long-term trends that we've seen in that metric uh, borne out over many years of cohort data that we have uh, will continue to play out over time, even if that's uh, temporarily disrupted by – these macroeconomically driven um, uh, reduction demands that we're seeing. And uh, the same thing will be true for paid employers over the long run as well. Um, That will – that number has, uh, you know, dipped up and down a little bit more based on kind of the macroeconomic winds. Uh, But from peak to peak and trough to trough, we think that that number is going to continue to climb as
2: well. Great. Thank
1: you.
0: We will take our final question from Eric Sheridan with Goldman Sachs. Your line is open.
3: Thanks so much for taking the question. I want to ask a big picture one. You talked earlier uh, to Ralph's question about um, uh, investments and, and another question about competition. But you know, you guys were very early investors in AI on the platform and positioning the platform for where technology was going over the medium to long term. And leaving aside sort of some of the things that are outside of your control in the short to medium term, how do you think about some of the investments you've made and continue to make as as competitive differentiators coming out of the macro dynamic, looking out to 24 and 25? And whether you think, uh, even as some
4: folks try to play catch up on that, uh, that could be an area where you're uh, back to a position of share taker and how we should be thinking or quantifying that. Thanks so much.
2: Hi, yeah, this is Eric, this is Ian. This is exactly the question I spend the most time thinking about, because in my mind, uh, the job industry has really gone through three eras. The first one was on volume, and then the second era was about quality of candidates. And now the third one is we have awesome matching algorithms that can tell us which two parties should be talking to each other, but can we generate enthusiasm and engagement between them? Can we get them to rapidly converse with each other and hopefully actually both make a hire and get hired. And so in my mind, the real future competition lies in the experience that we provide more so than in the matching technology explicitly, but make no mistake, having a strong brand and a large marketplace where you can then deploy awesome matching algorithms to then even begin the experimentation with improving the experience Those are all the prerequisites in order to becoming a major competitive player in the space. Not only do we have all those things in place, but we are laser focused on the quality of the experience that we give both employers and job seekers. It's why we continue to be so highly rated, and it's where so much of our focus of R&D is going right now. As opposed to looking at things and optimizing them that you can't see, the future innovations from ZipRecruiter are all going to be things you can see, and that's stuff like – making sure that 60% of our um, listings have salary data on them, which is something that we rolled out this past quarter. Why? Because it generates 40% more applicants for employers when we do that, because job seekers want that information. It's also generating um, getting 57% of the job seekers who are new to our service to get directly invited by an employer to apply to a job within seven days. That's an awesome experience for a job seeker. That's a differentiated experience that they will talk about with others. And it is non-trivial to deliver that kind of experience. It requires excellence in matching and a quantum of employers using your platform in order to make it true. I think those advantages are only going to grow and I am still confident and excited about our product roadmap. I think we're not just onto something, but well into it. And so I'm, I'm very excited for 24 and 25.
3: Eric, um, just to add on to that, the, the thing I often think about is that job seekers over the past decade or two have been trained to expect a series of search results in response to a search query. And what technology is increasingly allowing us to do is getting them to expect to hear from a great employer in response to who they are as a whole person. And so we bring an incredible set of data to that that is hard – even if you have great algorithms, it's hard to replicate that amazing data set we have built over years. And then we apply incredible technology to that to connect employers and job seekers, and that's what the power of AI is for us, as we focus deeply on this one major part of people's lives, which is how they connect to opportunity – as opposed to, you know, using AI for some broad, general set of trivia questions, we're really thinking deeply about exactly this problem and how we can impact people's lives. There's a lot we're go- you're going to see from us over the coming years. Great, thanks everyone.
0: And ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. And we thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.